Thank you for listening to an audio resource from Stanwich Church, located in Greenwich and Stamford, Connecticut. The vision of Stanwich Church is to know Christ and make Him known. The New Testament lesson for today is from Acts chapter 2, verses 1 through 13. The baptism of the Holy Spirit, as promised by Jesus, came upon the disciples in a new and powerful way on the Feast of Pentecost, miraculously enabling them to speak in many languages so that all who were present could understand. A reading from Acts chapter 2, beginning with the first verse. When the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place, and suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting. And divided tongues as a fire appeared to them and rested on each one of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Now there were dwelling in Jerusalem Jews, devout men from every nation under heaven. And at this sound, the multitude came together And they were bewildered, because each one of them was hearing them speak in his own language. And they were amazed and astonished, saying, Are not all these who are speaking Galileans? And how is it that we hear each of us in his own native language? Parthians and Medes and Eliamites, and residents of Mesopotamia, Judea and Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Phrygia, and Pamphylia, Egypt, and the parts of Libya belong to Cyrene and visitors from Rome, both Jews and proselytes, Cretans and Arabians. We hear them telling in our own tongues the mighty works of God. And all were amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, what does this mean? But others mocking said, they are filled with new wine. May God add his blessing to the reading of his holy word. I confess, I am not good at waiting. Where my need for speed has been the most evident is behind the wheel. And I have to tell you, I went to college in the South, and I would go around and I would do what we do up here. I would honk to communicate with other drivers. Yes, we're laughing. Nobody honks in the South. So I already uh, stood out. I was realizing in the way that I was driving in this community, I was the New York City driver amidst a much more genteel set of drivers. Um, So my college fellowship group enjoyed this, or maybe were terrified, but they gave me the nickname Yehu. Now, I don't know if you know about Yehu, but he shows up in First and Second Kings, and it said that the watchman on the lookout tower looked and said, that must be Yehu, because he drives his chariot like a madman. <laughs> <clears throat> they obviously knew their, new te- their Old Testament very well. Um, but it's also translated maniac or crazy man. So, um, so I am confessing this today. But I believe I may not be the only impatient driver in Fairfield County. In fact, I may be an impatient person among a people of impatience. 
If you're a transplant to the Northeast, you probably see this much more clearly than the rest of us do. Even as we rush about, I think we all know this pressured pace isn't what's intended and isn't what's best for us. And this text shows us that there is a reason to develop our skill of patience because good things come to those who wait. Sometimes God requires us to wait. And last week, for those who heard it, Lauren preached powerfully about Jesus promising the gift of the Holy Spirit's presence to his disciples before he ascended into heaven. And he left with them the instruction, wait in Jerusalem. In today's reading, we find they did what Jesus commanded. And we'll take a look together just at verse 1 right here where the story opens. When the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place. Now, it was more than just the disciples. It actually included 120 followers of Jesus that had all been there gathering. And they didn't know what to expect, but they waited on God back in that upper room. And while they waited and waited, they prayed and prayed. And they listened with their heart, longing for God's response. Sometimes we have to wait as we pray expectantly, just like them. For these followers, it was just a month and a half earlier that their king came into Jerusalem on a donkey with waving palm branches. And then a week later, he was taken out of Jerusalem to be crucified and buried. Pentecost was the second harvest festival. It was 50 days after Passover. And it is actually not today in the church calendar, as Pastor Nathan said, today's Epiphany. But because we're reading the Bible in a three-year chronological cycle, today we've come to that part in the story in Acts. So we'll be celebrating again May 19th. Now you'll know all about what happened on that day. This, this meant that devout Jews from all over, as verse 4 said, every nation under heaven were present at that time in Jerusalem. It was the right place and the right time for God's miracle to happen. Sometimes God does require us to wait, but there's a reason for it. We're called to wait so that we can receive power. Our scripture today is one of the most defining moments in salvation history. This scene is the birth of Jesus' church, and it tells us the scope of his redemption plan. What happens next is nothing short of miraculous, overwhelming, and amazing. So let's unpack that further as we look to verse 2 to 4. And as I read it, I want you to really try to imagine this scene in your mind's eye. And suddenly, there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind. And it filled the entire house where they were sitting. And divided tongues as of fire appeared to them and rested on each one of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Notice how it started. Suddenly, 
we get this idea of a dramatic immediacy of this scene happening. And then they heard the sound that was like a mighty rushing wind. Notice the word like. That there's really, it was an indescribable sound, but the best way to describe it is making it like a mighty rushing wind. Have you ever heard hurricane winds before? I see some head nods. So if you've heard that sound, you know what this is describing here. We live in coastal Darien, and my husband, Mark, decided to stay in our home before Hurricane Sandy hit the night before. The sound of the wind 10 hours before it got to us was so overpowering and intense that he left our home in the middle of the night to join me in Greenwich. Sound like that reminds us that there is power greater than anything we can control or contain. Jesus used that metaphor of wind earlier to describe the Holy Spirit. In John 3, he says, the Holy Spirit is like the wind, blowing where it will. You don't know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone born of the Spirit. So this breathtaking wind is filling the entire house just as the disciples are being filled with the Holy Spirit. And we hear tongues of fire appeared to them among them and rested upon each one of them. Now, you know, fire was an Old Testament reference to the presence of God, to God's purity and God's holiness. John the Baptist had predicted there'd be one coming after him who would baptize with the Holy Spirit and fire. So tongues, you can imagine the shape of a tongue of flames upon them, but it also can mean languages. So when they were filled, something extraordinary, extraordinary happened. And that is these followers began to speak in other languages as the Spirit gave them ability. And in case this is new to you, I want to describe a little bit more about this. The Holy Spirit offers many gifts to, the, to us as believers, and tongues is one of those gifts found in the New Testament and is still practiced by some Christians today. Speaking in tongues happens when people utter words unknown to them, an unlearned language like at Pentecost and we see this happen again later in Corinth in Acts 10 and in Ephesus in Acts 19. Tongues can be foreign languages that the person who's speaking doesn't know, or it can be divinely inspired, which is sounds that can't be identified as real words in an unknown language. This spirit-prompted ability to pray allows us to praise God and to give thanks to him in a heavenly dialect. It is one of the gifts of the Spirit. As I mentioned, there are several lists in Paul's letters of the different Holy Spirit gifts. And these gifts were given to the church in order to build up and encourage them so they could help each other to grow, both in the church and in our witness to the world. Now, tongues can be confusing. It was to me... My first encounter with this gift occurred when I was a student studying abroad in Avignon, France. I was joined a very vibrant church, and I even was part of the choir, along with a few other American Christians in my program. And the congregation 
was made up of French laborers and North African migrants. It was called L'Assemblée de Dieu. And it wasn't until years later that I translated that name and knew what it meant, which is Assembly of God, and realized I had been in a Pentecostal church. Now, there was a lot of speaking in tongues going on, but I didn't know about it then. So what I thought I was hearing was simply another dialect of French that I had not <laughs> yet learned. So <clears throat> the gift of tongues is just one manifestation of God at work in a person's life. When I've experienced this gift in my life, it has been as a private prayer language, and it's often helped me pray when I didn't have words for a difficult or challenging season. I've also been with others singing in the Spirit, and it sounded like an angelic chorus with various melodies going on, but all harmonizing in a way that created a beautiful symphony. Now, you may not have experienced these, but there are other outpourings or infillings of the Holy Spirit, often described as being filled up with joy and peace and warmth. Tears are often an indication of the Holy Spirit drawing near, and we see this happen a lot at Stanwich Church. As believers, we are all sealed by the Holy Spirit in baptism. But for some Christians, having a private devotional prayer language is part of how they surrender to God. For others, it can be sitting in prayerful, contemplative silence before God as another expression of surrender. But this Pentecostal event and gift of tongues was not just for those followers gathered in Jerusalem. We see even more evidence of the Holy Spirit at work, moving God's story forward. So what was the impact of this dramatic outpouring of the Holy Spirit? Well, we receive his power so that we can tell others about God's mighty works. Let's look at that together in verses 5 through 11. Now, there were dwelling in Jerusalem Jews devout men from every nation under heaven. And at this sound, the multitude came together, and they were be bewildered, because each one was hearing them speak in his own language. And they were amazed and astonished, saying, Are not all these who are speaking Galileans? And how is it that we hear each of us in our own native language? Parthians and Medes and Elamites and residents of Mesopotamia, Judea and Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Phrygia and Pamphylia, Egypt and the parts of Libya belonging to Cyrene, and visitors from Rome, both Jews and proselytes, Cretans and Arabians. We hear them telling in our own tongues the mighty works of God. Well, this text shows us what happened next? Notice that sound was so loud that all these people came rushing to see and to understand what they were hearing. I love the way Luke describes their reactions to all this. They were bewildered, amazed, astonished, and perplexed. 
They heard the followers speaking in various languages of the mighty works of God, and these words brought glory to God and gave thanks for his wonders and his deeds. And while the gift of tongues was meant to empower them, we also see that greater purpose being filled by the Holy Spirit because it was a gift meant to be given to others. This Holy Spirit is a universal gift, and it was designed to reach the ends of the first century Roman world with its story. Let's take a look at the map um, up on the wall here to see the reach of this event. And it shows that this was the ends of the earth, the known earth at that time. Notice how far it goes to the north and the south, the east and the west. We see this amazing uh, description, and we hear in the Bible that people will come from the north and south, east and west. We know in Revelation it says all peoples, tribes, and tongues will come together and stand before the Lamb. So here we see the reach and extent of that. It would take a month or more to walk from Jerusalem to Mesopotamia, just to give you an idea of how far these people had come to celebrate this feast. And they were there for the festival so that they could go home and report back this amazing event and share the gospel, the good news of Jesus. God had the disciples stay in Jerusalem and pray and wait for that precise time where the gift of the Holy Spirit to them would have the most global impact. God's perfect timing. <clears throat> We're told that thousands of people rushed to the scene, and they're drawn by that deafening noise to see what is causing all the noise. Now, Peter, that once impetuous disciple, but also fearful and denied Jesus three times, he was transformed by the gift of the Holy Spirit. So much so that he stood up in this huge mass of people and with power and elegance, he explained to them what they are hearing and seeing but, and introduces them to Jesus. He's saying to them, Jesus' story and his ministry is for everyone. Notice that God's miracle of sound and tongues compelled all these people to come to this place, right to the disciples. They didn't have to go out and find them, right? God brought all these people rushing in in order to hear the story. As a result of the Holy Spirit's gift and Peter's sermon, 3,000 souls were added to that number of Jesus' followers that day. Like those disciples, sometimes God requires us to wait so that we can receive his power and be used by him as witnesses to others. We know in this story and throughout the pages of Scripture that God gives us the Holy Spirit to accomplish his purposes. We receive the infilling for an outpouring. Aren't we all in need of an infilling of the Holy Spirit? Some of us may need healing, others a new assignment or strength and renewal for this new year and our next chapter. The Holy Spirit speaks to us not only through his gift of tongues, but also through God's word in scripture, through prayer, through others, and even through our circumstances. We've seen that happen when unexpected doors open and close. God's Spirit is leading and guiding us. 
And if you desire personal prayer for the Holy Spirit today, we have a prayer team during communion. And as well, there will be elder healing prayer that's through these doors right after the service today. May the Holy Spirit of the living God fall afresh on us. Come, Holy Spirit, come. Amen. To learn more about the mission and vision of Stanwich Church and how you can get involved, please visit stanwichchurch.org.